I'd like to tell you a story this morning, if I could. Uh, once upon a time, there was a young man by the name of Joe. He lived in a dysfunctional family, one of 12 siblings, and he was very highly favored by his father. His father did not make him work like the other 11 boys, and uh, his father was very passive in the family. His mother had died at the birth of his younger brother. He was kind of arrogant and cocky little fella. His father bought him a lot of fine clothes, not like the other 11. Thusly, the other 11 brothers grew to resent Joe very, very much. In fact, to the extent that the Bible says, oh, the story goes that they hated Joe because of the favoritism shown by the father. A lot of disharmony and friction was in the family because of that. So the brothers connived a plan by which to rid the family of this little pest, this little favorite. And they devised a plan by which they were going to kill the boy. One of the other brothers said, that's not very profitable. We can sell the little sucker. And they sold him to some merchants who carried him and put him in a slave sale. And he was purchased by one of the captains of a country not far from there. And the Bible says that the Lord was with Joe in all that he did. Highly favored and God blessed him. And so the man who had purchased Joe made him the manager and ruler over all that he had. Evidently, his wife had been watching HBO or B-U-L-L, or Baloney Station. And she got the eye for Joe. Joe told her, no dice, we don't do that. It'd be a terrible sin against God and against her husband. She would not be satisfied with that, so she accused him, falsely accused Joe of raping her. Thus, the husband incarcerated him and threw Joe in prison, innocent as he was, threw him into prison. He spent two years in prison because of ill feelings. There he met a baker and a butler. There he did them great favors. There he interpreted a dream that the each had had. And there he remained for two years, forgotten 
and forsaken. Then Pharaoh had a dream. And the butler remembered. And Pharaoh called from the prison this Hebrew boy by the name of Joseph who had been misused and abused and forsaken by his own family. And Pharaoh had a dream and Joseph interpreted his dream. And because of his wisdom and insight, discretion and love for God, Joseph, the prisoner, Joseph, the little arrogant kid, Joseph, the one who had been sold into slavery, was promoted to prime minister, only second in authority to Pharaoh, to the most powerful, marvelous nation in history at that time. Imagine, if you would please, as the ex-con gets in the second chariot and follows the first chariot with his ring, with his gold, with his attire, and with the authority to do anything he wants to do in the most powerful nation that there is at that time. Well, Good times came and bad times came. Democrats reign, Republicans reign. Bad times, good times, all the time. And the Bible says there was famine throughout all the land. Everybody got hungry. But Joseph the wise, discreet one who's been led by the Lord and placed significantly, if you would please, at just the right time, at just the right place, and he has gathered all the food for seven years. 20% tax. Boy, wouldn't we have griped about that. And for seven years, 20% of everything that has been harvested, produced, and manufactured has now been laid up in store by Joseph, the little smart-mouthed kid who was thrown in the pit, sold into slavery, false accused, imprisoned, now promoted to prime minister. And he's in charge of all the food. Well, Joseph's daddy and Joseph's brothers got hungry. And the only place there is food is in Egypt. And the one in charge of all the food is the one the 12, the 11 siblings has thrown into the pit, sold to the Midianites, 
shipped off to Egypt, landed in prison, falsely accused, now is prime minister of all of Egypt. We begin reading in Genesis 45. Genesis 45. Find your place there if you would please. And I read for you in verse number one as we continue the story. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his, what's the next word? Oh, those are the guys who misused him. Those are the guys who abused him. Those are the guys who threw him in the pit. Those are the guys who sold him into slavery. And those are the guys who lied to daddy about his coat of many colors. And those are the guys that 22 years ago went home and told daddy, your favorite son is dead. And the Bible says, verse 2, and he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Twenty-two year lie. Twenty-two years of hoping their past would not catch up with them. Twenty-two years of sleepless nights listening to the cry of a 17-year-old kid. Please don't throw me in this pit. Please don't mistreat and kill me. 22 years of bad nights and long hours and sleepless days. They were troubled at his presence. I bet that's an understatement, don't you? And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Come near. Look into my eyes. Come near. I'm well shaven, not like you folks who believe it's wrong to shave. Come near, look past my Egyptian helmet. Come near, and you'll see a Hebrew just like you. Come near, come near. 
Now therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You want to know how to heal family squabbles? You want to know what to do with that one that said some harsh things to you years ago or somebody mistreated you years ago or somebody could have acted different to you years ago. You want to know what God wants you to do with that. You need to realize that God's been working with you, through you, all along. Are you listening to what Joseph is saying? You don't need a psychologist. You just need a good dose of Jesus. You folks that are so hard on everybody else. You folks who are quick to talk, slow to think. My way or the highway. Would you listen today just a little bit? Well, nobody deserves what I've gone through. Well, how much of it did Joseph deserve? Verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it is not you that sent me hither, but God. If we could only find the but God in our lives, we'd be a lot better off. (laughs) Right? I couldn't name you three specific times in my life, and I'm just a young guy, 45 or so, and the or so is what's really hurt. <laughs> but I can, I, I can tell you of three times, specific times, when I came within just a breath of death. And during all those youth, youthful years, man, how lucky I was. Or what a coincidence that in a 50 Ford going 90 miles an hour racing with another idiot going around the curve and the stirring box fell out of the car. No control. And I hit the brake And it was just enough to make us around the curve and out into the field where the car stopped. What a coincidence. Man, how lucky I am. In a brand new 62 model Ford truck with a 350 pound piece of steel laying in the floor on the passenger side. Hit some water, fishtail truck turned over on its side, 350 pounds of steel 
missed my head just that much and went right through the window. How lucky I really am. Just, boy, Eden luck wonderful. It's just a huge 18 by maybe 12 piece of solid steel we chuck in a lathe. We do it every day because we're tool and die makers. And we just put it in the lathe. But today, the chuck is different. Lazy, don't want to change it. So what we do is we chuck a chuck in a chuck, which is case-hardened, and the chuck will not eat into it, so it's just sliding in there. And the minute I put the tool to it, that huge piece of steel comes throwing out of that lathe, hits me in the face and on the chest, and rolls off. How lucky I am. Has anybody here this morning got enough sense to think that maybe you're not in this thing all by yourself? It was just a $2 bet. That's all it was. Just $2. The man said, I'm not going to pay you. He was seated in the bleachers two rows below. He began to call my mother names. And I stood and kicked him and cut his eye from here all the way back to his ear. He hits the ground and blood flowing out. How did I know that his buddy had a 38 special? And it was in my face with a hammer back and said, Wolfenbarger, you're a dead man. How fortunate and how lucky I am to be your pastor. but God. Would you look back in your life today and find the but God's in your life that is shaped and honed and helped you to be where you are this very day? But God. We could close right now and not miss the ball game. But God. <laughs> Ain't God good? Well, let's go on with the story. I may not get to it. But God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now watch this. Joseph looked at his 11 siblings. Haste ye, go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph. <laughs> 22 years, Jacob thinks he's dead. 22 years, not one word from Joseph. He's been buried in the hurt of his memories, buried with his mother, 
And all of a sudden, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and says, Now haste, hurry up, go home, and tell my father, Joseph is alive. And God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me. Thou and thy children and thy children's children, thy flocks and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there, tell my father, there I will nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all thy all thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen. And ye shall hasten and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept. Upon his neck. Moreover he kissed all his brethren. And wept upon them. And after that his brethren. Talked. With. Him. Oh. What has transpired. In this family. Just so they could sit down. And talk. Can you sit down and talk? Many families have nothing to say to each other. All that, all the hurt and all the misery and all the things that has transpired in this family. Just so they could sit down and talk. Fellowship. I think there's two words we need to contemplate. One is fellowship. Another one is forgiveness. Someone has, I think, rightly said, and I believe it's true, Conflict is inevitable. If you don't believe that, just watch me and Ginger. We know how to fight. Conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. If I could, I'd like to talk to you this morning about Joseph. The brother. We've talked about Joseph, the type of Christ. We've talked about Joseph, the Savior. We've talked about Joseph, the judge. Let's talk about this morning for just a few moments about Joseph, the brother. Notice, if you would please, there are three things that hinders Joseph's father and Joseph's brother from realizing 
the glory and the power and the magnificent of Joseph, the prime minister. Three things that hinders Jacob, Joseph's father, from knowing that he's alive, that he is prime minister, that he has everything that the family needs. Three things that hindered that knowledge. Number one, distance. Distance. You cannot know a person long distance. You may meet them on the internet. You may want to time up when you mention them in a hairnet. You cannot know a person long distance. And the thing that keeps people from knowing the glory and the power of the Lord Jesus is the distance they keep between him and them. They'll do anything in the world to try to solve their problems and solve their issues at a long distance from God. And I believe with all of my heart, a lot of church members and a lot of Christians are at a distance from our Lord. They know about him. They do not know him. They can tell you all about him, but they are not sure they're saved themselves. May I say to you today, eradicate the distance between you and our Lord. Huh? The second thing, they withheld Benjamin and Joseph would not have anything to do with them until they eradicated that withholding, that which they were withholding from meeting Joseph. Anything that you hold between you and the Lord is going to keep you at a distance. The Bible said, whosoever you are, unless you forsake all that you have, you cannot be his disciple. Second thing, or the third thing, was the Egyptian. When these boys saw Joseph, they saw an Egyptian. They were ignorant of who he really was. And until they eradicated that and realized Joseph was who he really was, he was just another Egyptian. Who is Jesus to you? Is he just another God? Or is he just a very magnificent man? Was he just a wise man Or was he the God-man? Or was he was or is he still is? Did he die and raise again? Or is that just something that bunnies come up with who lay eggs? The thing that hurts us most in America is Jesus was just a good man. He was somebody that Hollywood hung on a cross. These three things are still hindering our relationship with our Joseph today. Distance. 
we like Peter like following, but afar off. We still want to make our own decisions. We still want to go where we want to go when we want to go. And we are following him afar off. Not only that, oh, but the things we have and hinder our relationship with him because we're withholding certain things like grudges, bitterness, hurt feelings. Well, you don't understand what they said to me. It ought not be big enough to stand between you and God. And these three boys, these 11 boys, were absolutely overwhelmed when they came to Joseph. Notice, if you would, please. Let's you and I look for just a moment for about six or eight minutes. Is that right? Huh? We can look that long. It don't mean I'm going to stop, but it means that long. Let's fix some broken relationships this morning through forgiveness. Joseph is a tremendous, tremendous example. Notice verses 1 through 4. And I want to show you the reconciliation and the steps by which that they were, they were found. A threefold revelation. Notice, if you would please, verse 1. And Joseph could not refrain himself before them all that stood by him. Now the context is... These 11 brothers have come to Joseph, did not recognize who he was, did not know who he was. They came for food. Joseph recognized them. Joseph can speak their language, but they do not know Joseph can speak their language because he's using an interpreter and Joseph is testing these 11 boys. And he's telling them, Now, if you want to have any more food, you've got to go back to your father and bring back your younger brother, who is Joseph's full brother, the one who was born at the birth, the one who was birthed at the death of the mother during birth. Benjamin now is at home. You go get Benjamin, bring Benjamin back, And everything will be all right. Well, they went back to get Benjamin, and Jacob did not want to let him go. Judah said, if you don't let him go, we're not going back for food. Because that dude down in Egypt, that prime minister, is one kind of mean dude. And he said, if you don't bring back your brother, don't come back. You can't see my face. And so they brought back Benjamin. Now Benjamin is left. And they have stacked the cards. And they have put Joseph's chalice in Benjamin's sack. And Joseph said, we're going to test this thing out. And about the time the 11 brothers started back to Canaan with their goodies... Joseph sent his steward and fixed the deal. 
And he went to these 11 boys and said, one of you guys has stolen the prime minister's drinking cup. Well, it's not any of us. Judah said, if one of us did that, you can kill him and we will be your slaves the rest of your life. That's the one who said, let's sell Joseph 22 years ago. That's the one who did not care what daddy thought about Joseph being killed 22 years ago. That's the one who had no heart at all 22 years ago. But now, they have brought Benjamin back, and he's been accused of stealing from Joseph. I know we don't have time, but if you'll read the last part of chapter 44 some other time, you will see Judah, that changed brother, who now is so deeply concerned about his brother and about his father. There has been a radical change in the brothers in 22 years. Now watch this. And when Judah was saying to Joseph, I'll do anything, take my life instead of Benjamin, the Bible said, and Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brothers with tears flowing down his eyes, audibly crying so outwardly, so loud, that they could be heard through the walls and through the streets and could even be heard down at Potiphar's house, crying, weeping. You see, big boys do cry. If you'll read the story of Joseph, five times he cried, wept five times. If I would ask you guys, you men, to raise your hand who thought it was sissy to cry, it would embarrass you at all the people who'd raised their hands, who'd been programmed by another man when they were younger, that it was sissy to cry. If it's sissy to cry, then our Lord was a sissy because he wept. And here the prime minister of all of Egypt, the one who did not cry when they incarcerated him, the one who did not cry when they falsely accused him, the one who did not cry when they threw him in the pit, the one who did not cry when they lied and forsook him and forgot him in prison for two years. But when he saw his brother who had been changed, who now was begging for mercy for his other brother and begging for consideration for his old godly daddy. When Joseph, a type of Christ, saw somebody else hurt, he cried. Isn't that sweet? I was about 30, I suppose. Our church 
at that time was the fastest growing church in the state of Texas. In Fort Worth, we ran buses to Cleburne. You say, why? Because there's kids in Cleburne need to be saved. Had school through the 12th grade and teachers in all classes and about nine people on staff working for me. It was a cold day. I was underneath the bus. I was pulling a transmission out of a bus. And all of a sudden, I just started weeping. I couldn't stop. I just started weeping. And I wept. And I had no idea. Because I was not a weeper. I was not a crier. My daddy raised me to be tough and to be a man. But I began to weep and cry, and I could not stop. Put me in a hospital room and put on the door, no visitors. I don't know why I was weeping. My weeping might have saved my sanity. My weeping might have released the pressures of a fast-growing church and grumbling church members, a dysfunctional family, and 10,000 other things. But God made us with the capacity to weep. And sometimes that's all we know to do is weep. So don't think Joseph being kind-hearted and gracious to be a weakness. He wept. And he wept aloud. The Egyptians, the house heard him, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. They came near and said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery. Could I please notice just a threefold revelation. Verse 3, a revelation of guilt. Notice, they were troubled at his presence. If there's a riff, if there's a need for forgiveness, I'll just bet you there's guilt on both sides. I'll just bet you there's guilt on both sides. Joseph, the little cocky fellow who dreamed and said, one of these days you're going to bow down to me. Little cocky kid running around in his coat of many colors while the other 11 was waiting on the sheep and digging the dirt and farming the farm. I'll bet you if there's a dysfunction in your family relationships, I'll just bet you 
There's guilt on both sides. Amen? Uh, kind of hard to fight without there's a little bit of me on both sides. Amen? Notice the revelation of guilt. Notice the revelation of grace. Verse 4. I am Joseph. Come near. Grace. You know what grace is? Grace is Verse number four, come near. Verse five, now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. God did send me before. You know, if you're ever going to get the conflict settled, there's going to be grace on both sides. Amen? Grace. A revelation of grace. A revelation of guilt. And a revelation of kinship. Hey, I'm your brother Joseph. Husband and wives. Could I please ask you in closing. And this is the first point of a four point message that I'm not going to finish. Could I please. Suggest something. In your family relationships. Cut each other some slack. Now, if you don't know what that means, another good word would just shut up. (laughs) Brother Chris, I wasn't talking to you. I know she's telling you that, but I wasn't talking to you, Chris. You see, we all are guilty. We all need grace. And we all need to extend grace. Is that not so? Huh? And you're a just reflection, and I'm done. Reflection. Reflections of the past can be painful. You do know that, don't you? I, I don't like to talk about my past. I, I, Andrew knows very little about my past. Mandy knows very little about my past. And I'm going to keep Ginger ignorant of my past. Reflection can be painful. You know that, don't you? Now, some of you folks have been listening to me preach for over 45 years. You, we have a past together. You've seen all the dumb mistakes I've made. And you've been told that I've made many more than I've already made. Sometimes reflection can be very painful. Genesis 42, verse 21 through 22, it talks about these boys reflecting about the begging, the pleading of Joseph, don't do me, don't do this, please don't do this, and the brothers and their hate and the disgust went ahead and sold him into slavery. Sometimes the reflection of our past brings on convictions and 
our conscience begins to, like the old Indian man said, my conscience is a three-cornered gadget that turns inside of me. And the more it turns, the more it hurts. But the longer it turns, the more it wears the corners off and the less it hurts. Reflection. These boys are now receiving a word of reflection. Joseph said, let me just reflect on something. I'll just reflect on 22 years, if you would. And he says, now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. That you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Would you reflect and quit beating yourself up because you're right where God wants you, doing what God wants you to do at this particular time? Well, only if. There ain't no only ifs. That dog don't hunt. Well, if I'd have known this about him, I would have not married him. But you did. Now get on with being happy. Or just continue for the next hundred years making one another miserable. So that when you get old like me, No, old like Sean, sitting on your front porch, you and her, in your side-by-side look-alike souped-up rocking chairs, rocking back and forth, looking through glasses so thick, you have to clean them with a car wash. Speaking through toothless gums, nestled underneath no hair and some hair. You can look at one another and say, well, we blew it, baby. Is that your future? Or would you like to forgive and go on? With being happy. Realizing that you're not driving this ship. God is in control. Quit your complaining. Be a Joseph. Have the right attitude whether you're in the pit, prison, or palace. God did send me before you. To preserve life. And these two years. Hath the famine been in the land. Yet there are five years. In which there shall neither be earing or harvest. And God sent me before you. To preserve you. A posterity in the earth. And to save your lives. By great deliverance. So now. It was not you that sent me hither. But God. Do you like that? 
but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Just a reflection, if you would please. Before you go today, I don't know how old you are. I don't know who you're married to. I don't know how many rug, I mean, children you have. Just reflection. Verse 5, we see the providence of God. Verse 7, we see the purpose of God. And verse 8, we see the power of God. At just the right moment, what a coincidence. At just the right moment, Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit. And just at the right moment, the Midianites came along. And just at the right moment, he was sold to Potiphar. And at just the right moment, he met the butler and the baker. And at just the right moment, Pharaoh called for Joseph to interpret his dream. And at the right moment, Joseph was promoted to prime minister. And at just the right moment, Jacob sent his 11 brothers to Egypt to buy corn. And at just the right moment, the mother, the brothers, met Joseph. I wonder if all things do work together for good to them that love the Lord. Those that are called according to his purpose. Can anybody say amen? Does anybody believe that all things work together for good? Then what are you griping about? It might be just the right moment to realize if it were not for but God, we'd be all in a terrible mess. But because God is God, he knows what's going on. And he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars. Don't know the rest of the song.